Welcome to the Authentic Discipleship Podcast, where we seek to encourage and empower you on how to make disciples in and through authentic relationships, recapturing the heart of the early church that we read about in the Bible. Our goal is simply to equip you so that you can make a life-changing difference where God has planted you all for the glory of God and the good of the world. We pray that you are blessed by this week's episode. Right. Well, welcome back to the Authentic Discipleship Podcast, where everything we're doing uh, is talking about making disciples through authentic relationships, and we want to encourage, equip, and empower God's people to do that. So I'm excited for the day. We have another conversation. Um, I'm joined by Kenny Sexton, who is with the Bonhoeffer Project. And Kenny, man, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on the podcast. Well, Buck, thank you so much for having me on. Look forward yeah. to this conversation today. Me too. So I'll let our listeners know this is authentic. Kenny and I have known each other for about three minutes, but I, I have studied a lot about what the Bonhoeffer Project does and, and um, some of the work they do. So I look forward to hearing more about, about that. So yeah, Kenny, maybe before we dive into the Bonhoeffer Project, tell us a little bit about your story, how disciple making or discipleship plays into that. We'd love to learn a little bit about you. All right. Well, um, first, let me just give you a little bit of background. I'm, uh, I've, I've been married for 31 years as of yesterday. Okay. So yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> Thank, thanks to my wife for staying with me that long. <laughs> but anyway, we, yeah, we celebrated our 31st yesterday. Um, we have three kids, uh, Jana, Jenny Lynn and Landon, and they all live everywhere. They live in Kentucky, South Carolina, and Germany. I have five grandkids, Ella, Ava, Mia, Reed, and Bristol. And now we have one more baby on the way. And our, our girl that lives in Germany is having a boy. And so somewhere around January, we'll be having a boy in the family. But that's a little bit about that part of them. excited about them and, and, and proud of them. And, of course, you know, just ha- been able to celebrate this anniversary. will take on a new meaning when we kind of get into that a little bit later. Man, my experience has been this. I tell you about the, the discipleship journey was really probably prompted and embedded in me when I was uh, 15 years of age. Um, I was in a just a small church. Man, we ran about 175 people. Uh, we had our RA and GA program. We were um, going to super wild things like that. We, we, it was Youth Evangelism Conference back in the day, so it was a lot different name. But there, we were just involved. We, we did things, RAs and GAs. We did things with our leaders and stuff like that. So when I was 15, I was at a... Uh, Youth Evangelism Conference in Macon at the Coliseum, and David Ring was the the evangelist teacher pastor for that day. And man, I I hung on every word that he said and felt called to ministry at that time. Went back home, was excited. Um, our youth group on a Thursday night Bible study, we had fifty two youth meeting on a Thursday night. Okay, awesome. we just had over a hundred kids in, in the overall program on a Wednesday night, but then fifty two youth. Middle school, junior high, we didn't have junior high and high school kids came back for Bible study. And about a year later, our minister of music and youth had an affair with our one of the ladies in our church. And it just rocked everybody's world. And at that point in time, I was looking at like, well, in the meantime, so for, from 15 to 16, called to ministry. Man, I'm there with, you know, I was, I was one of those drug babies. You know, my mom and daddy drug me to church every time the door was open. So I was a drug baby, right? But nobody really discipled me other than the fact we had RSGAs. We had our Sunday school program, things like that. But nobody walked alongside me at that point. So when this devastating blow came, which is sin, hey, it can, it can happen to anybody if they're not really growing and they're not uh, putting some, you know, 
things in their life. I mean, it, it can happen. I mean, it happened to David. So, man, the greatest leader of Israel, if it can happen to David, man, we, we, we can't think any, any less of ourselves, right, or any more of ourselves because right. that can happen. So when I, when I turned 16, I was able to drive. I started, I started working. I guarded every Wednesday and Sunday because I wanted to be at church and be around people of God and be around my friends and grow. But when that part happened, that was the first time that I decided, hey, um, I told my neighbor who was my boss, yeah, I'm available. I'm available on Sunday, Sunday afternoons, whatever. And so one Sunday that was like maybe once a month, once every little bit of while became a, a call like every week. Hey, somebody don't want to come in. Can you come work? Right. So that was just one that that slow fade and it became a quick yeah. drift through the process. Here's what I learned. I was in school. I'm driving in the 11th grade, driving 12th grade. And from the time that I was called to ministry, the time that that happened at 16, that drift became where zero leaders, pastor, my teachers, my RA leaders, my Sunday school leaders, my deacons in the church, not one person reached out to me during that time. Hey, Kenny, where you at? Mm -hmm. So it became very important to me that, hey, that there's a drift happening, but hey, I guess nobody cares. Okay, so I'm just going right. to do what I want to do. So I, I really, I did for about 10 years. I lived how I wanted to. Um, went off to school finally and, and got my, my degree and ended up teaching school and um, got married during my second year. And then, um, man, then I surrendered my call to ministry. And so, but I think everything about discipleship was embedded when I was 16 years old from 18, from 16 to 18. I think that's really where everything came to be because nobody really reached out. And, and my pastor didn't, uh, my, my key RA leader didn't, my Sunday school teacher didn't, anybody but my parents, right? My parents always nagging and, and you know, trying to bust my child <laughs> right. a little bit, which was, was justified. But, you know, they can't tell me anything because, man, I'm brighter than they are. I'm smarter than they are. I'm faster than they do. And they're, they're, they're just my parents. But nobody outside there just pulled me along. Let's go get a Coke. Hey, let, let's go get yeah. Dairy Queen. Let's go get an ice cream. Hey, let's talk about your journey. Nobody called me on the carpet about, hey, um, you said you're called to ministry, but I mean, you're not even church anymore. What's going on? Nobody. Right. So discipleship came really a big, important aspect. So when I got into ministry and I've, I've morphed over these 30 years in ministry, that that's really what's been the thrust of what I what I, I want to see done in the church. Man, that's so, yeah, so powerful because it, it sounds like if if someone would have walked alongside you, uh, when, when God really, like I said, revealed himself and it's like, man, I feel called to something. It sounds like the trajectory really probably would have been different mm -hmm. in those formative years. Uh, we needed more than a classroom. We needed someone yes. to walk with us. Yes. Yeah. And because I can remember many experiences growing up. I mean, I, I just look at it as, Hey, they took about 50 of us kids to go trout fishing in North Georgia. And I, I remember that like today. I mean, Great bonfire that night that s'mores and been cooking marshmallows around the fire, the whole kick of bull. And then we go fish. And I remember that experience like today, but, but the time that stuff happened, none of that happened after that. I mean, it's like, you know, I can't point to a time where we really had that word. I was known, people knew my name, you know, that they just, they kind of just, uh, just tossed it up as this is what 16 year olds do. Right. Right. You start yeah. driving. So yeah. that means, hey, you're going to work and you got to pay for your gas. And you got to help mom and dad out. But that's that's just what 16 year olds do. But then reality was I was throwing up a flag by my absence and nobody nobody caught my flag or my smoke signals. Right. No doubt. And, you know, a lot of. So, Kenny, I know we don't know each other. Really. I've shared this on our podcast, but grew up. I grew up pretty similar. Grew up in the church, attended church and uh you know, did, did all the things and, 
and really my life changed at, at around age 20, 21 when my roommate who was an authentic disciple, he, he loved the Lord and, and, you know, it wasn't perfect, but he, he read the Bible, had a hunger for the, the, the Lord. And he just kind of brought me into his life and began to teach me what it looked like to, to be a Christian, to how to read the Bible, how to pray. And, um, we put resources in my hand and, but we did life together, you know, yeah. you know, something we've said on here, uh, before is that discipleship is just as much caught as it is taught. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we really need people. And, and, you know, you see that in the life of Jesus and his time with the 12. And, and so I just love hearing that. I feel like it, it really just speaks volumes about, man, at, at that age, that formative age, if, if someone would have came along, but by God's grace, it sounds like he's using you now to get this, to get this word out that, Hey man, we, we need to be making disciples. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I'm itching and some of this, this may be a selfish episode for me, but I'm itching to learn more about the Bonhoeffer project. Obviously I've read a little bit of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and some incredible writings, calls to discipleship. His one on community life together was really good. I read some of that, but yeah, tell us a little bit about what is the Bonhoeffer Project, and um, yeah, what 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 is that organization about? Well, uh, many years ago, Bill Hull, who has been you know one of the champions of discipleship for many many years, um, about eight or nine years ago, uh, just was circling around with some other pastors, some other leaders, and was batting this eyeball, you know, this this thing around about um, an idea about, hey, what do we, you know, let, let's look at training leaders or raising up leaders that can start a revolution of disciple making among the churches and, and, and really all the way around the world. And so he gathered with some men and they started a cohort and, and dove in. And then that movement has continued to, to morph and move. And um, so this entire project, um, it, I'll say this, it's the one thing, it may not be for everybody, but I think it is for everybody. Um, I, I think this is one of those things because here, here's what I found out in church ministry as leaders. We love the silver bullet. Okay. And hey, I, I'm I'm chief among all. Let, let me say I'm chief among all. I, I want the silver bullet because guess what? Somebody else figured that silver bullet out. And then all I've got to do is plug and play and go and it works. Right. But yeah, but in your context, where you're at in Dublin, Georgia, and where I'm at in Ray, Georgia contextually speaking, what you're doing and what I'm doing are maybe vastly different and that's okay. And so the, the Bonhoeffer project gets this Bonhoeffer name by his namesake by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and how he raised up disciples. And so, you know, that was one of the things that Bill wanted to have is, you know, it catches your eye, catches your attention, but it started out as a 10 month. It still is it's a 10 month process of a cohort um, once a month for three hours to, to get around other leaders and to, um, talk about discipling and, and get into to really wrestling with the process of what it's like to become a disciple. Here's what I found out, Buck. You probably found this out as well. If I'm around 10 pastors and I say, raise your hand if you've been personally discipled by someone intentionally, year, year and a half, or that's walked alongside of you, without fail, if there's 10 men in the room or, or on a Zoom call, usually there's about two, maybe three men, that have said, hey, we've been personally discipled by somebody. So I could say in that room of those men that I was in there with, with seven other men, raise your hand if you've been personally discipled. 
two people raise their hand. And of course, me not being one of those, because when I was growing up, I didn't have that. And I didn't really have anybody come walk alongside me as well to do this. Now I've been sharpened in other ways. I've been discipled in certain ways. But what this does is we try to take people through a process where they wrestle with, uh, you know, they wrestle with terminology. They, they wrestle with language. They, they wrestle with certain things that, that they need to have a grasp of or ownership with that they come to that understanding. So one of the things is like this. What is the gospel? Let me just, let's start there. Let, let, let's start yeah. with that word, okay? If you were to ask your your church, you could ask your church planters, you can ask other other church members or participants in church, okay, write for me or send me a text, what is the gospel? How many different gospels would you get in, in those text responses? Right. right. So what we yeah. want to do is, and we, we talk about, we talk about the stream. There's three streams. We got an upstream, midstream, downstream uh, process. What we found out is that most people like the midstream and the downstream because you get to basically some content and then you get mm -hmm. to process. Okay. But they yeah. don't go upstream. Now, what if um, we were to go midstream? Now we're jumping in this river midstream and it's as dirty as it can be. It's polluted. It's wrong. It's toxic or whatever. And we jump in midstream and then we're floating downstream to get to the, the downstream part. Is it going to be clean or dirty? Right. It's it, going to be dirty. Yeah. It's going to be dirty and toxic. What we try to do is take people through the first half of this process upstream to what we call the headwaters. We go to scripture and we yeah. wrestle with language. We wrestle with, we look at how Jesus did discipleship, how mm -hmm. he modeled yeah. it. Life on life, whatever. So we, we go through that process. So a good, say if it's a six-month cohort, three months, we're in that part. If it's 10 months, five months of that is upstream. So I love what JT told me one time. He says, what we do is we put you in some rapid water, and you're in a kayak, and we hold you in that kayak upstream, looking downstream at those rapids. And we hold you for that half part of that time to finally release you downstream. Because here's what's yeah. got to happen. You and I both know the water upstream at the headwaters at the very top has to be clear for it to be clear down. And yes. so if you can get clarity on language, you can get clarity on people, you can get, get clarity on the process uh, of yes. your church to get down to those things, then, then those things midstream and those things downstream, all of those are clear. And, and, and you can you can communicate that with clarity. You can communicate it and other people understand what's happening. And that's yeah. that to me, that's the difference in the model. That's the difference in what we do is we, we, we allow you and other other people in the room to really wrestle through this stuff in order to, to for you to have basically skin in the game, so to say, because you and I both know I'm guilty of this. I've gone to a conference. Man, this is great. I've looked at this material. This is it. This is what we've got to have. And I come back and, boy, I rally the troops. We're going to plug this in and play it. And it, all it does is it either starts with a bang, ends in a fizzle, or right. it's a total catastrophe and nobody wants to do anything. So, right. so what, what I've realized is that, and here, here's the beautiful thing about the Bonhoeffer Project, and my wife can tell you this very thing. What I've noticed is in the Bonhoeffer Project is this process did the biggest thing for me more so than anything in the church. What it did was it changed me. I, I, I was changed in this process. Right? It is. 
it, it, that, that, that's really the great byproduct. But, but I changed. I'm the one that was developed. I'm the one that was morphed. I'm the one that's transformed. I'm the one that had my mind renewed. I was the one that go that, that I had to say to myself, like, wow. So things in myself changed and grew. And it was just, it was just a beautiful thing. So um, it, it's comprehensive. I think also the other aspect of the, the thing is it's comprehensive. One thing that we say in here is, is this. The gospel you preach determines the disciples you produce. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we go through a process of what we would call incomplete gospels. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Now we mm-hmm. talk about the discipleship gospel a lot. That's where we land on. But we talk about mm-hmm. incomplete gospels. It isn't that they're wrong. It doesn't say that they're wrong. They're just incomplete. They're incomplete. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let, let me say the one. So for me, growing up, I've been exposed to the forgiveness only gospel. So this can be anything. This can be a crusade. This can be my, my church service. Hey, come walk the aisle. Say this prayer. You are forgiven. Now now go in peace. Okay? Now there's nothing in there that talks about the whole sanctification process as lifelong obedience, right? It doesn't talk about the follow me aspect because we see that, I mean, the gospel in itself is what? Jesus is life. Jesus is death. Jesus is resurrection. But there's a part that we repent, believe, but there's a follow me part, right? So when he was going along the shore, what did he tell the disciples? Come follow me. But what we find out in, in these five incomplete gospels that it is void of discipleship. There's nothing right. in there that says, hey, we need to do life on life or three three and one, three or four guys together, triads or quads. We want to call these things, the groups. I mean, we can call them all kinds of different names. We can put the lipstick on the pig. It doesn't matter what shade, okay? Still the pig. However, it is a process for us to go, okay, how did he do this? But it's void of discipleship. So how can we get back to the kingdom gospel where, where we really do? Man, there, there's a there's a king of, of the kingdom. His name is Jesus, and he lived, he died, he rose again. Amen, hallelujah. That That's great. Now there, there's these things on this back end is that we need to repent, we need to believe, and we need to follow. And I love right. what I love what the old saint um, church father said. He says, "May you be covered in the dust of our Rabbi Jesus as you go out this week." I love uh, that phrase, right? So if I'm following Jesus, it doesn't mean I've gone into the cubicle in my four walls or whatever my house or even into my church space. And it's been that if I'm covered in the dust of my rabbi Jesus every every day, I'm going where he's going. And if I'm doing that, I'm learning what he's teaching me. I'm doing what he's telling me. I'm exposed to things that, that I probably have never been exposed before. He's put me in places of tension, just like the guys were, the disciples were when, when he's feed, feeding the multitudes. Hey, they came to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, man, these guys are hungry. And he looked at them. He goes, well, feed them. Whew, talk <laughs> about a moment, right? Um, I, I didn't, I, I forgot my wallet and a man that sent it to Tim. I mean, you know, all these things, but he put them in places of tension. He sent them out two by two, right? There's a doing aspect of it as James talks about you hear and you do. And I think the incomplete gospel that we try to wrestle with in this process is saying, listen, if we continue doing the same things we've been doing for 40, 50 years and our gospels that we're preaching is incomplete and void of discipleship. We're going to continue yes. doing the same thing. And now that, that things are much different today, like when I was when I was in middle school and high school, um, our attendance of people were greater per month and per two months than they are today. So whereas mm-hmm. three three you know times a week for three weeks out of the month was what, what the average attendance was, we're looking like what one and a half times a month or one and a half times every eight weeks, meaning that I mean somehow 
we bought into some type of a different gospel. And therefore, we've got to say, hey, listen, we've got to get back to what does it look like to follow Jesus? And so for 10 months, we wrestle with all of that process. So you have a firm grasp of understanding. And all along the way, you're developing a process for your church and for your leadership there. And so mine's different than yours. So like one, one of the groups that was in, one guy had a church and they had 600 group leaders. And another guy there had about 15 in his church and he had, he had two deacons. Now, you tell yeah. me that they had the same process. Absolutely not, right? But they came they came to have a specific plan and process for their specific church through through this time of those 10 months. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this because when you get in, we've got to go upstream and get clarity so that when we start looking at what maybe the process would be, then, then we finally see what the product and the people look like at the end. So when we talk about Luke, Hey, fully trained disciples, man, we're talking about character and conduct and both these things are extremely important. I mean, and, and so I, I think what happened to me was through those 10 months, I believe that along the process, character and conduct grew in my life and merged together to go. These two things are important to look at what your pro- project is going to be at the very end of what the product's going to be like. And so when you communicate this, but also what does this look like? But what does this look like to go from say babies to death? What does mm. it, what does this look like in a comprehensive strategy? I'm not talking about, let's just let the adults have the language. No, let's, what does it look like for the, the babies? And I mean, our preschoolers when they're talking on their language and them see the language, them see what it, it looks like to follow Jesus. So I, mm. I think this is what the Bonhoeffer Project did for me. And I think it's what's doing for a lot, you know, thousands across our, our, our world today. Yeah, man, that's great. Thank you for sharing. I love, I love the upstream. That's great. Bill Hull also super respected. I mean, that guy is just a, he's beat the drum for discipleship and that the sound's still echoing throughout our nation and the world. And yeah, it, it seems like, like you said, that clarity of, that clarity of call, call to follow, uh, that clarity of gospel. And really when, when the leaders get it, it does seem to trickle. And I, I love that man. And language creates culture. That's incredible, man. So I want to, I, I appreciate you because I want to share with our listeners some that, you know, by God's grace, man, we've got uh, people listening that they, uh, Lord, they're, they're trying to follow the Lord. And it's just cool to hear this may be an option to, to go a little deeper, but also to learn really how did Jesus make disciples and uh, mm-hmm. a, a conference just to share. Um, we've gone to a couple times the disciple making conference in uh, at Crossroads Church. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those guys. Yeah, Ken Adams and uh, man, Ken Lance Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gr- great we friends take of mine. A, yeah. How about that? We take a group every year, and um, I love hearing uh, character and conduct fully trained. They've just done a great job of 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 really, I guess, bathing that language into their church, and yep. it's ingrained in their culture, man. I mean, you can't you can't go to Crossroads Church and not say those guys love making and not say that they love making they don't love making disciples it's everywhere that's right um, yeah which is great well so. you know and, and to that character and conduct i mean like i said i mean we we focus i mean if you focus strictly on character but the conduct's weak that's hypocrisy right so i'm mm-hmm. not I mean, and, and mm-hmm. we see that but then you talk about conduct but i have no character i'm a terrible person like the inside I mean, my right. fruit's right my, my fruit's not good so then the character and conduct but but also what you just said a minute ago was that the whole part about the follow me aspect of it is really the multiplication. So 
if the guy, if the disciples in the upper room, if, if all they did and they said, okay, we're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come and okay, great. Now we're going to hold hands, sing Kumbaya and we're going to stay here the rest of this time. But they never went out to go share the gospel and, and went to go find other people who want to be invited in the journey that also can go do that. I mean, that's what a disciple does. A disciple devotes himself to the word of God, right? Because you, you got to learn, you got to know him, that now know him, as Paul says. But then you got to be somebody that does the word. Okay, so now I'm, I'm not only just learning it, but I'm also doing it. But then you also do the last part of this, which is I'm developing others to do the same. So if we yeah. talk about family discipleship and get back to Shema is the way, the way we family disciple. Man, we got we got to raise them up all man all spaces and times. We got to teach them, but also we've got to invite other people on the journey so that way that person can tell another person. That person can 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 really reach another person. You can raise these other people yeah. up so that way there's generational impact. Like we keep saying this uh, many times, we've heard this said over and over and over. We're only one generation away from really yeah. the gospel not being heard in our own country, right? Yeah. And so we've got to be people that that really is going to be covered in the dust of our rabbi as we go through our week, and that that's going to be that 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 takes obedience, that takes us submitting, that takes us yeah. to be willing to say, okay, where wherever you yeah wherever you lead, I'll go. Right. And, and follow. Right. And so that's the whole thing about disciple making, too. We, if we're to make disciples and teach them, well, it's, it's a command for us to go do this. There's a multiplication aspect. But if our gospel is, bo- is if it's void of discipleship, if the, then, then you won't see that happen. You won't see the multiplication aspect of it. And I think that's where we're at today. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, the days of you're talking about incomplete gospels and really the everybody that goes full sail into attractional church, like some of that stuff's coming to an end, you know, 50 years ago, you, you start a church, you make it look nice hand out a few flyers, you can feel it. And, um, that's not the America we live in anymore. And, uh, I think the, the conversation we're having is really, you know, there's this age old, you know, do we need to be evangelistic or focus on discipleship? And, and, you know, I believe, and I think you would say the same is that really, both are under the umbrella of disciple making that that is uh, our Lord's example of what we are to do and who we are to be. Yeah. But man, you know, reaching even for the, the, the greatest evangelist heart is really going to be engaging a lost culture through relationships and with the end goal of equipping them and teaching them to multiply. Absolutely. Well, you know, that all that's uh, just, it's the same coin, but both sides, you can't that's have, right. You know, discipleship without evangelism and evangelism without discipleship. It's it's the the same coin, just two different sides. I mean, so for us, it's like, well, but again, it gets back to the gospel we've been taught. And so I I think we're in a culture, just like you said, attraction model. Man, we heard so much in the 90s, wasn't it? I mean, hey, fill the dreams. If you'll build it, they'll come. Right. Yeah. Let's just build a company. Make make nice spaces. Make it look pretty. Let's go high tech as we can. All these things. And I'm not saying those are bad things. And we've got to use, you know, social media, media, kind of use that to our advantage these days, too. But like Mm -hmm. in the church that I'm in right now, here's what's pretty neat. Um, And I see this as great opportunity. We have people in our little bitty community. I'm telling you, people got to come find us where we live. I mean, this is not just a I mean, we're off the beaten path and we're out there and literally in the vineyard. 
Um, and and I, I talk to many different pastors, many different leaders, and they talk about it all the time. I said, man, we we really got to get lost to find your church. I'm like, yeah, but that, well, okay. And you hope that the GPS doesn't go out because you may not <laughs> find it. I mean, that's where we yeah. live. But we, ha- we have seven counties represented, about 15 different communities, sub-communities underneath those counties. I look at that as great opportunities. So that's why I say, hey, listen, we're going to reach our communities through disciple-making and gospel-driven missions. It's, 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 that's it. I mean, th- through our disciple-making, we're creating people to go evangelize. Through that disciple-making, we're creating people to, to go a mission in those spaces, in those communities. So it's a great opportunity. So it means that we're ascending church. It means that we're, we're decentralizing, so to say, and we're not just kind of inside these four walls. We've got to go get in those spaces where they work and play and live in order for them to reach other people and let them, again, Ephesians 4.12, we've got to equip them and we've got to disciple them to go in those spaces to reach those people. And so that that's really the process and plan and vision that I have that, that we've got to do. I love what Ken Adams does, and I use I use his, um, you know, material for my men mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's really good it really has a sense of foundation to carry, but also love foundation by robbie gallaty i i love yep. i love greg gogdon's stuff on it on his essentials i i love yes. bill wilkes i mean bill wilkes has got some great grips right but all of that stuff in reality is is midstream and downstream if yeah. we don't clarify yep. up we, we don't get bottom right so that again, I go back to Bonhoeffer. That's what's different. I mean, we'll, we'll get taught how to. I can plug. What, I can use any curriculum. I can tell. Hey, guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna go through the Book of Romans. I mean, you, you guys, this is what we're gonna. You're gonna go through the Book of Romans for this year, man, word by word, verse by verse, for an entire year. That's what you're gonna go through, and we can do that for a year's time. And we don't have to use a book at all. I don't have to use curriculum at all. If my process is sound and everything is good and biblically sound, where it needs to be. Anything downstream can be good. In midstream, I can plug and play. However, yeah. if I don't have it upstream right, everything breaks apart and it is not right. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. I love the, the idea of, like you said, the curriculum, because I I guess I haven't found language for it. But for me, when the person has clarity, you know, really, the and they understand the mission, they understand the call, the method it's good to have something that's central that everyone's looking the same way, but there's not so much weight on the method because right. the people know the man, <laughs> the man of Christ and they that's know right. what he's called us to do. And, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we lean, we, we use a lot of Ogden stuff, the Sopship essentials. Um, good cool, stuff. I mean, Solid. It's super good. And man, we, you and I could probably have some long conversations about this, but, um, but no, man, I, I think that's great. And, just for our listeners, just to, to hear, I think what we're learning in this episode is the importance of gospel clarity of what Jesus has done for us, but just as importantly, not just what he saved us from, but what he saved us to yep. it is critical that uh, what happens after uh, we walk down front, what happens after we step in the water has is critical and uh, we're called to follow and called to make disciples. W- what was that statement? Just this may be more for me than our listeners about the dust. I want to take that one with me. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi Jesus as you go out this week. That's good. That's really good. I would love to hear, man, as we, um, as we kind of conclude our time and I would love maybe just a word for our listeners and just to, to let you know, um, we, we have, People all over, some of them from a, a network of churches, but I love many of the audience are a part of small groups. Some lead small groups, but really, you know, this podcast is all about beating the drum of 
encouraging disciple makers, equipping disciple makers, and empowering them to do uh, what God has called us to do. So, yeah, is there anything you'd like to say specifically to our listeners? Yeah, I, I love, I, I thought about this uh, for, for some time now because we, we don't we all get frustrated? <laughs> like, it's just not easy. Like, like the, no. the, the leaders are doing this and then the, the participants, the disciples don't show up. Um, they're not committed. <laughs> Um, hey, that they get well. I just, I just rather go to church and go to worship than do this. I mean, hey, I don't have enough time, or hey, I've got to do this. I mean, just the discouragement and just. But, but I, I looked at this. I said, well, think about Second Timothy, uh, Timothy two, three through seven. Okay, mm-hmm. um, he talks about three different people in this passage. He talks about a soldier. He talks about an athlete, and he talks about a farmer. And, and I thought about that so much. Think about a soldier. A soldier does nothing on his own. What does he do? What does he do? He has to he has to submit himself to the commanding officer, right? I'm not going to get tangled up in all these civilian affairs. I'm not going to get sidetracked on kind of these discussions or all these things. What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to be like Jesus said. Jesus says, I don't I don't live on bread alone. I live by every word that comes out of the mouth of my father. And he says, and I, I only do what my father tells me. Well, guess what a soldier does? Soldier submits his own self, his own authority to that commanding officer, and he follows what he says. That 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 that's what a soldier does. An yeah. athlete, yeah. an athlete is one that trains. Well, man, doesn't a disciple train? So a disciple one, okay. So soldier, as a disciple, you submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, an athlete trains. He trains all the time. He wants to win that particular race. He wants to win that particular game or whatever he's involved in. But that that athlete trains in order not to get disqualified. We know what that is. That that simply can be this character and conduct. I mean, that, that's exactly what the athlete trains for. And it's a lifelong process because there's things in my life that I've got to continually let die mm-hmm. and die daily. And I've got to learn and relearn and keep training and keep training. So that's what the athlete does, but that, 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 you got to stay fit. You got to train. And then you've got the farmer. And I thought about the farmer quite a bit. And this may be a little bit different than what maybe some people thought about. But, man, the farmer is just fruit. It's fruit, right? I mean, so the soldier submits, the athlete trains, the farmer has fruit. But here's here's the fruit that I'm talking about. The fruit that the farmer has is a dependence totally on the father. Because guess what? He doesn't, what, what he's not able to do. He can't, he can't provide rain. Now we've got, we've got water systems that we can use, but he's dependent on the rain. He's dependent on that seed that is put in that soil. He can cultivate the land and he can plant it just right, put a certain number of inches down below the ground and cover it back up and he can water and he can put the pesticides, keep the bugs off. But guess what? He's totally dependent on the father. He's also, he has to be totally patient. He can't make that fruit grow any faster. He's, he's got to be patient and he's got to trust. And so by trusting is that, well, listen, I'm going to have to surrender what I can't control. And then the thing that I say many times is plant water, plant water. That farmer is fruit because that farmer does everything he needs to do to make sure that there's a soil that's cultivated for the fruit to grow. But he's totally dependent because only God can grow it. So Try. if you think about those three things, three different types of people that should bring us encouragement because you know what? None of those are easy. None of them totally submitting to the father as a soldier and doing everything he says. Sometimes my flesh wants to win out. 
that's hard. Yeah. As an athlete training, well, let's be honest, not every day I, I may not get my word and, 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 and beat myself up or, or, hey, I may not pray like I should today or whatever else. Or, hey, I may have acted a fool today or maybe I've lost my cool. Well, it's training. It, it means, it, but, you, but you train in order not to be disqualified. Right, and it's, that's hard, um, but you can be done with it. And then farmer again to produce that fruit, it comes from him. We plant what do we do it. And then the last encouraging word I would say: just go to Galatians five six. Listen, don't grow weary in doing good, because mm-hmm. see, at some point in time, you'll reap the harvest. At some point in time, you'll see. It. And sometimes we, we we may we may be like many people throughout the Bible. We didn't get to see the harvest that got planted. We didn't get to see that, but maybe we're the ones that plant it and we water it and we plant it, we water it, we move on to something else and then it it grows later on. It may grow during our lifetime. It may grow after we're dead and gone, but if we're just obedient and faithful, but I think those those things should encourage us because it's nothing that we can do. We just have to be obedient and faithful, and I love Eugene Peterson. It's the long obedience in the same direction. Man, listen, yeah. let, let, let's just have the fruit. Let's depend on God. Let's be patient with this because God is so patient with us. Let's be patient with the people that are in our, in, and they're all on their own journey. Some of them get tripped up on different things, and, and some of them grow faster. Some of them don't grow as fast. Think about those four soils. The four soiler is the one that multiplies. That four soil is the one that is ready, eager, ready to go get it. Man, the third one, what's he done? He gets choked out. Man, the cares of the world. Again, man, the kudzu, the, all the weeds cut him out. Or is it really on this this shallow hard pan where it gets snatched up or it gets burned up? And you got to think about the people that are in there and where they at on on that place. But patience, trust, man, trust in the Lord. I mean, I, I know Proverbs three five six is one of the same, but just trust Him because He knows He knows which one's going to be raised up, and you never know. You never know what's going to happen. But also look at this too. I mean, we we want to go back and talk about being encouraging. Look, look, look at those things. Like for me, like I said, I, I walked away when I was sixteen. Okay, six sixteen to twenty five. I, I was I was done. I mean, literally, I, I was out of the church. Didn't do anything. So, what, what, who do you think I'm really drawn to the most in the church at this point in time? And it really is those late teenagers and college people. And so, one thing we try to do is find a way that we can grow them on their campuses. So, we try to do a a monthly Zoom call that I've got I've got some material that we go through and we pray for them to try to keep that connection to get them connected to the local church there, their campus ministry, so they can they can still do the solving thing. But listen, don't grow weary in doing well. So whatever leader that you have, whatever church planner you have, what a what other like lay leader that's out there, man, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. It's easy to we can be we can be frustrated real easy. And and I'll leave it with this. Maybe you have to do as Jeff Vanderstelt would say in his fruit to root kind of concept, right? What is the fruit that's growing on your tree? Maybe you as a leader says, man, my fruit that I'm looking up there is I'm frustrated. Um, my, my fruit is I'm discouraged. Um, maybe your fruit is like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm mad. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm busting my tail. I'm giving my time. I'm doing all this stuff. And then what am I getting in return? Right? That That's my fruit. But then you look at it and go, well, what has God done for me? Right. So what has he done? Well, and, and, and while I was still a sinner, he died for me. Me so good. Uh, what am I? So, God, what, what am I trying to do? Am, am I trying to control him? So that's why my fruit is where it's at. That's where it's at. Or or, or what do I need to do? And so if we, we drill down into the root and say, OK, God, I can't control any of this other than the fact that I know this fruit needs to change. So you've done a great work for me. You've given me a life that's full and rich. And, and, and what are the truths 
that are embedded in that, that, that I can know that, that this fruit, I mean, that, that can change that discouragement into joy, that they can, that frustration into saying, man, I, I, this patience, you know, this fruit of patience, it just continues to grow. But man, I've got, I've got a love, a, a love that's continuing to grow deeper because I'm recognizing this fruit on my tree and I need to get down the root of it. And so maybe an encouragement would be, what's that fruit that's on your tree? Get down the root cause. Why is it that way? And what does it need to change too? Because the Spirit's transformational power can make that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, right? Self-control. It, it can get there. And I think that that should encourage somebody out there today. Absolutely, man, no doubt. Thank you. And and um, we can talk about it a million ways, but at the end of the day, making disciples life on life requires everything you just said. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The great word. Man, Kenny, thank you for taking the time. It means a lot to me. And um, man, praying for you, your ministry and Bonhoeffer Project. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Man, I'm just so thankful. Uh, listeners, just want to say thank you for listening. Remember, we want to encourage, equip, and empower you that the gospel sphere has always been everyday, ordinary people like you and I taking the gospel forth into a lost world. So we love you. And remember, as we always say, we only get to do life one time. Let's live it on purpose. Thanks, guys. <laughs>